Hey everybody, welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help leaders go further faster. I'm Andy Stanley, and before we jump into today's content, I wanted to tell you about a special offer from our friends at Belay. Now, if you're like me, you want your organization to grow, but growth brings complexity, and complexity is the enemy of pretty much everything in organizational life. And of course, one of the most complex things we deal with as leaders is hiring. And as we grow, we need to hire. Uh, This is especially true in today's business climate. So we are always looking for the right people. And at times we wonder if the right people even exist. And I'm sure you feel the same way. And if they do exist, how in the world are we gonna find them? And that's where our friends at Belay can help. So whether you're looking for highly vetted US-based virtual assistants, um, bookkeepers, uh, social media strategists, or even website specialists, more than likely, Belay can connect you with who you are looking for. So, to help you get started, Belay is offering their CEO's latest book, Rise Up and Lead Well, for free. And in it, she shares her journey from admin assistant, get this, to CEO of the company. This ebook is available through Amazon, but as a special promotion for our listeners, you can get it for free today. Just text the word Andy to 55123. That's A-N-D-Y to 55123 to receive your free copy today. Now, let's jump into today's podcast episode. Today's podcast is going to be a lot of fun because I have Kathleen Edelman in the studio with me today to talk about words in the workplace. Kathleen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So our podcast listeners know the context of this conversation. Um, Probably a year or so ago, uh, Sandra and I, actually probably almost two years ago, Sandra and I attended a workshop with Kathleen, and we have referred back to what we learned in that workshop ever since. It was about communication. It was specifically about communication with kids, but that's just one of the many applications you have for your content. In fact, so you know, um, Kathleen has actually created fresh language around temperaments that has actually become part of North Point Speak. Between Enneagram and Kathleen's information, everybody on our staff pretty much (laughs) knows their color and their number. And more than any other tool we've used, those two tools, the Enneagram number and the colors that Kathleen is about to talk about as we'd begin our discussion on temperament, um, have given our organization language, um, almost to the point where people introduce themselves <laughs> by, with a number and a color. Yep. But it's so practical. Yeah. It's so helpful. So anyway, everybody knows their temperament. They know their strengths and weaknesses, along with the profiles of the folks they work with. It's been a huge, huge value add for our entire organization. So that's why Kathleen is here with me today. She's uniquely positioned to talk about this topic. She's been a communication coach and temperament expert for 30 years. Uh, She's worked with individuals, families, work teams with one goal in mind, and that's to help people communicate kindly and effectively with each other. And those two things are certainly connected. Um, As I said, her material has permeated our organization, and it's really changed the way our organization communicates. So let's jump in. Uh, Kathleen, um, everybody in our audience knows there are a lot of tools available for organizational leaders. There's Myers-Briggs, WrightPath, Enneagram, and most of us take advantage of of all or some of those, but yours is unique. This is unique because it focuses on temperament. So to begin with, tell us a little bit about a temperament. What's a temperament? I would love to tell you about temperament. The definition of temperament is the combination of mental, physical, and emotional traits of a person. It's a person's natural predisposition. And Andy, this isn't personality. 
This is temperament. And that's what separates this from the other assessments that you mentioned. The concept of the temperament has been around for 2,000 years. This dates back to Hippocrates. And what he did was he studied how people naturally responded. And they fell into four different categories. So these categories were named sanguine, choleric, melancholy, and phlegmatic. And these classifications have been around and they still to this day influence all kinds of things in modern psychology. Yeah, in fact, they they actually have impacted some of those other tools mm-hmm. that I Absolutely. Use. The difference with this is it's it's easier to understand, yeah. um, and consequently, you know, anything that's memorable is portable, so you yeah. actually use it. And mm-hmm. I think that's the brilliance of this. It's something yes. that organizational leaders, our parents, um, can use. So um, tell us a little bit about why specifically this is important for organizational leaders or people really just who are working together in the workplace. And I love that when it's pulled into the workplace, because if you're a leader, your temperament has everything to do with how you lead Yep. and how people you lead experience you. So understanding the tendencies, strengths and weaknesses as a leader will ultimately determine everything from team chemistry to productivity, even trust among the teammates. Yeah, I want to comment on that sure. real quick because when I um, sat through the seminar I did with Sandra, I guess it was almost two years yeah, ago. It was, it was before ago. it was before the pandemic because we were yeah. <laughs> we were sitting shoulder to shoulder <laughs> yeah. around tables with no mask. So um, as we sat there and listened, and again the the focus was on parenting, and and when we left, we just. We said to each other, if we had had this Mm -hmm. information when our kids were younger, it would have helped. But specifically, one of the comments you made, and I don't want to interrupt, but this was was such a big takeaway for me Mm -hmm. to kind of, uh, I guess, galvanize or emphasize how um, strategic this is organizationally. Um, The four temperaments you refer to with colors as Mm -hmm. well as their original names. And Mm -hmm. some of you in our podcast audience, you may remember the DISC test, the D-I-S-C test. Mm -hmm. That's also temperaments, and these things parallel. But... One of the things you said that day that uh, was an immediate application for me, you said that people in one of these quadrants that you refer to as the red quadrant, or in the old days, we called it the high D, Mm -hmm. you said that they are intuitive decision makers. Mm -hmm. They make decisions quickly. They're rarely wrong, which makes everybody else mad, and they can't (laughs) explain how they know that they're right. Yes. And I'm not a D. I'm not a red. (laughs) That's not me. Um, And so I thought that is so true. So Mm -hmm. literally, I don't know if I've told you this before. The next week I'm sitting in a room, I'm sitting at a meeting with about nine people. We had to make a decision. Mm -hmm. It was an important decision, but it wasn't end of the world if we got it wrong. And I knew everybody's temperament around the table and because we talk about it all the time. And I knew there were two D, high Ds or reds sitting Mm -hmm. at the table. So I stopped the conversation. (laughs) This is so unlike me because I'm the leader. And I said, what do you two think? Mm -hmm. And they immediately gave the same answer. I said, that's what we're going to do. And it was the right decision. Mm -hmm. So understanding what you're about to explain is so practical, especially organizationally when it comes to decision-making, how we process information. Yes. And when those of us who are slower to make decisions Mm -hmm. realize it's our temperament, it's not our IQ, (laughs) it's not our intelligence, (laughs) you know, there's nothing wrong with us. It's not a think about it for a little bit. Um, So anyway, so this is so practical. So, so. And that's, but that's a great story because knowing that your temperament determines the words that you say and the words you want to hear 
It also it determines behaviors and the behaviors we value in other people. Yep. So your temperament is going to show up in every conversation, every email, every text, every team meeting, every conference call. So it's crucial that the yellows, the sanguine, the red choleric, the blue melancholy, the green phlegmatic, that we understand these languages because they are all good leaders. Yep. They're just going to lead from the core of their temperament, which will look different, yep. but all can be successful. The other um, area where this has helped me and then I'm going to let you unpack okay. the, the different ones is the sanguine mm -hmm. temperament is the outgoing, mm -hmm. um, extroverted, very relational. Yes. Um, they, I'm always jealous because they know everybody's <laughs> name and they get along with everybody and I want to be more like that. And they're a little intimidating to me, honestly. I agree. <laughs> and, but one thing I've noticed about them, every conversation, because my son, yes. Garrett, is, yes. yellow, is yellow. Um, one of my best friends, um, Lee Jenkins, is yellow. Every conversation on the phone begins with, hey, Andy, how are you doing? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And they want to catch up relationally. Yep. I'm not wired that way. So how do I respond? What would be your guess? Works good. Yeah. Or... I'm busy. Yeah, or, I'm like, let's, let's, what, why, why, why are we talking? talking no, about I want, that? why are we talking? Yeah. I, I, I don't, just, yeah. let's just get, why did you call me? Let's, yeah, exactly. Let's this, just get to the point. Let's get to the yeah. point. But understanding this framework helps me not just predict, but appreciate yes. that they're not wasting time. Mm -mm. They are communicating from their temperament, just like I am. And there's yes. no right or wrong. There's four rights. Yes. Um, I learned that from you. Well, thank you, because I don't know if I've ever done, and I don't know if we have time for this, but we're going to do it now, the two plus two activity. I literally do this for the benefit of Reds, because they do always think they're right. And a lot of times they are right. But you know, what's two plus two? It's four. What's one plus three? Four. four. What's zero plus four? Four. Yeah. Okay, that's three different ways to get to right. And so when the temperaments understand that, especially reds, well, that's leaning into knowledge, which mm. is power. Yep. And reds love power. So it opens their eyes to be able to see oh, maybe there's another way to be right, hmm. right? That's great. So that's why a little two plus two activity. So let's, so, there's four. And if for uh, those of you who are driving or you're obviously not able to write or take notes, yeah. if you'll just picture a big square, <laughs> like four square with four <laughs> exactly. quadrants and the top left is yellow, mm -hmm. the top right is red, mm -hmm. the bottom left is green mm -hmm. and the bottom right is blue. Correct. So you from the top around going mm -hmm. clockwise, it's yellow, red, down to blue, over to green. That's correct. And so the the brilliance of this particular approach to temperaments is it's much easier to remember <laughs> than the complicated words yeah. that it was used that it was yeah. originally introduced with. So let's and talk about the four. So the yellows, the sanguines, they I always start with them first, Andy, because they like to be first because um, they like the attention. But this is an extrovert that's people oriented, so they talk before they think. They're outward processors. They're storytellers. They're always going to prioritize people. In their strengths, this is going to be your office optimist. They want every conversation to start with a positive, right? They also see the best in people and the best in circumstances first. This inspires people towards action. They can get people to do things, right? In their weakness, they can be the attention magnet. This is a person that wants to use charm and jokes and tell stories to be in the spotlight. 
even if it may be at somebody else's expense. So when it comes to the sanguine in the office, what matters most to them is that everybody's having fun and that there is a connection. Relationally. Relationally. <clears throat> yeah. So. And they're very sensitive to when people are left out. Yes. They can t- they can tell, uh-oh, what, you know, they don't get so hyper-focused on mm-hmm. what needs to be done, mm-hmm. uh, although they're very productive. Mm-hmm. They're so socially aware. And, yes. I, again, I've learned this from my son Garrett. He yeah. He's just intuitive about mm-hmm. people yes. that I, I oftentimes miss. So yeah. um, I'm not sanguine. <laughs> Nor am I. So I don't have a drip of yellow in me. And the thing is that what I really want um, your listeners to hear is that these people, even though they can seem, they're so in the moment, they can seem almost distracted or disinterested because they're having fun. Mm -hmm. They are very intelligent and they are very capable. Okay. It's just their happy-go-lucky childlike demeanor that maybe. You mistake them for not being serious. And that's that's, a loss. That is a loss. Now, Mm -hmm. again, another organizational application. Mm -hmm. So I've had to learn, and this, again, this gave me terminology Mm -hmm. to talk about this. I've learned I should not plan a staff meeting because Mm -hmm. I'm not fun. (laughs) And whenever I've come into new areas of our organization where I'm the point leader and, you know, I'm supposed to come up with the agenda, I I can put together an agenda, I can run the meeting. And after, you know, several weeks of this, I realized mm-hmm. no one is enjoying this because I don't know. I'm not intuitive about how to make it enjoyable. Mm-mm. So I've learned, hand it off. That's Find right. the yellows and say, mm-hmm. you start the meeting. Yep. Not because we don't have serious things to talk about, no. but because interjecting the relational fun aspect of, mm-hmm. of any environment is important. I'll ne- if I try it, it just, it's a waste of time. <laughs> and that's funny that you say that because what you've mentioned, Garrett, what pops up to me is my daughter, Avery, who's also yellow. And I'm not the game player in our family. Right. My husband is because he has some yellow. And But if I got on the carpet to play a game with my kids, my first thought was, oh, my gosh, this rug has to be vacuumed. You know, it, it wasn't who's going to win the game. Exactly. You know? We're so distracted. I'm, exactly. I, I'm with you. So, so so as we move to the yeah. right around mm-hmm. the clockwise, mm-hmm. around the circle, next is the our reds. Yes, the choleric red. This is a task-oriented extrovert. They talk before they think as well. They focus on tasks. Um, in their strengths, this is nobody can match the visionary decision maker of a red. They can see from A to B so clearly. And they're able to see that finish line and they're willing to make those hard decisions that will get you there. Mm. Okay. In their weaknesses, though, they can be the office bully. And they make all the decisions for everybody. They're intolerant of mistakes. Um, they're unconcerned. And this is where I, I really want to emphasize this. Sometimes unconcerned with what happens in their wake of leadership. Right. Behind They're them, not yeah. looking at how many bodies they've left behind, <laughs> right? So cholerics care about one thing. They care about getting things done. And it's critical to them that everybody's pulling their weight and following the plan. Because if they walk in and that's not happening, you will definitely see a choleric take charge. Everybody listening put that color on somebody they know oh. or on themselves. Absolutely. Because you just know that. And I'm, I am surrounded by cholerics. I'm surrounded mm-hmm. by reds. And I'm not, we'll get to me in a minute, but I've learned um, because of what you just said, the mm-hmm. worst thing I can do is delay a decision mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be delayed to get information to them late because it holds them back. That's right. And the great thing about this temperament, they don't have to be number one. 
No. Right. They just need to feel like whoever they're answering to is supportive and doesn't get in the way yeah. of what they're convinced needs to be done. And the people yeah. around them should be smart enough to know, trust them, exactly. trust them. Because they're going to do a great job. And when they don't, they'll be the first to tell you. You will not have to find them and ask, hey, what happened? Because there's a there's a high value of accomplishment and looking good. Mm-hmm. And so they're generally trustworthy. Oh, absolutely. And one of the innate needs for Red is loyalty. And I'm telling you, you show that person loyalty and you will get a thousand percent back. A thousand percent. And that's all they want. They just want to be part of the decision making. Let them go and trust in their abilities because they're very efficient. They'll yep. get it done. Yep. You know, definitely. This next one, I think you and I, we'll see. We may share. Um, The melancholy, the blue, is the lower right-hand quadrant. They are a task-oriented introvert. So this is me. I'm an internal processor. So when I hear things, I have to think about them. So I think before I talk. And But I'm going to prioritize tasks over people. So in the blue strengths, they're the thoughtful analyzer. They have a unique ability to identify obstacles and find detailed solutions. They are creative problem solvers. And Andy, the reason I say they can identify obstacles is because growing up as a blue, what I heard over and over and over again was, Kathleen, why are you always pointing out the negatives? Yeah. (laughs) Right? Right. And so I reworded it because... To me, it wasn't a negative, and especially now we're talking about the Reds. They see a vision from A to B. If your leaders will lean into a blue that can see every obstacle between A and B, they're going to be victorious because there will be no bodies in the path. Well, this is this goes back to something we've talked about several times on the mm-hmm. podcast that when somebody comes in with an idea, a vision, mm-hmm. you know, a different way of doing things, mm-hmm. that the, the initial response should always be wow, not how. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons I come back to this so often is yeah. because as a blue, yes. I'm a how person. Mm-hmm. And so I have to just keep my mouth shut and force myself to say, wow. I mean, I can't imagine that could actually happen, but wow, <laughs> let's talk about it. I do not. Everybody in the studio is laughing through that. the glass. But I get you. I wish I podcast. <laughs> Listeners, you could see <laughs> the lack of respect we have here yeah. for me. But anyway, but I, I, I to your point, I just I just go there. Yeah. I just and again when I combine my um, blueness mm-hmm. with my Enneagram One, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. I but now I know that, so yeah. I I know I just got to dial that back sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. but anyways, and let me have your back for a minute here. I'm going to show you sensitivity and safety, which is two of our innate needs. Being a perfectionist is both on our strength and our weakness side. We are a perfectionist, and the other temperaments can lean into that perfection because we, when we do something, we're going to do it in excellence. Where the perfection is a weakness is when we put those standards on other people. Yep. And that's where it becomes a problem. And this is one of the things I took away when I first heard your seminar because you were talking about parenting. Mm -hmm. And Sandra and I, she has a lot of blue. Mm -hmm. My wife, Sandra, is red-blue. I'm a blue-red. So, okay. um, And she did not want to be red. (laughs) Most of them don't. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so as parents just realizing – when we don't feel like we're pushing hard enough, mm-hmm. we probably are. Yes. And if we think we're pushing too hard, oh, mm-hmm. we definitely are. Mm-hmm. So, again, knowing that in terms of the context of temperament and yeah. every relationship, it's yeah. it's so important. And so fascinating, too, because both of you are on the task side. 
Right. So I see why you've already mentioned your son, Garrett, who's on the people side a couple times. He helps us both. He he pulls us out. It's great. Yeah. The weaknesses that you and I both share, though, we're both judgmental skeptics. Yep. Um, We assume the worst in situations and with people, and we can be critical and skeptical of others. Um, Trust is earned in this temperament. We do not just walk in a room and trust anybody. It is left to us. It really is earned. Is And that connects to that innate need of safety. Are you a safe place mm. for me? And again, knowing that is helpful. Yeah. And, and being married to and working mm-hmm. with other people who are not the same and learning yes. to trust their judgment about other people. Because exactly. you're right. I can, I can go negative too quickly. Yes. Yellows can go trusting too quickly. They, yes. they can go the other way. Absolutely. Um, so... And again, why we're attracted, the blues, when I say we are attracted to the yellows, is because there's something in us that knows that we're supposed to try to see the best in somebody first, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not what you and I are innately wired to do. We just aren't. And when there's a team dynamic that includes the strengths of all four of these we're going to talk about in a minute. Oh, yes. It's, it's, it's powerful. So one more. So one more, the green, the phlegmatic. This is a people-oriented introvert. Don't you love that? I love that. I love saying These are it. the counselors. Exactly. These are the counselors. They think before speaking, but they prioritize people over everything else. This is a fabulous, now I want your listeners here, fabulous leader of people because they genuinely care about the person. In their strengths, they're a kind diplomat. They're able to steer people and projects towards listening to each other and ensuring everybody feels heard and valued, which is a huge word. Um, in their weaknesses, though, they can be unenthusiastic procrastinators. They have a they lack a sense of urgency. They rarely speak up. Like I work in my office a lot with getting greens to advocate for themselves and they struggle with indecision that, you know, too many things coming at them at once or too many changes, they'll, they'll disappear and you'll be like, where's Johnny? You know, and you can't find him. Right. Um, Phlegmatic employees are often described as kind, patient, tolerant, and occasionally stubborn. So what these greens are looking for most is harmony and respect that everybody in the office is getting along, and that the most important thing is that somebody's showing them enough innate need of respect to ask their thought or opinion if they don't speak up. See, this is a valuable person that's sitting at your table but maybe is so quiet. Yep. And we now have heard this. We can't unhear it. So if you think you have, you're leading a green employee, it's one of their innate needs is respect. Ask and them. again, knowing this, because we've been using this language for so long. In fact, I can't believe it's taken me this long to get you on a leadership <laughs> yeah. podcast because you've so influenced, again, our language. So I have a couple of leadership teams. Sure. And I know all their Enneagram numbers and their colors, mm-hmm. uh, their temperament, and most of their right paths. Okay. And so... In the old days, before I had this language, there were Mm -hmm. two or three people that would sit through a leadership team meeting and they wouldn't say anything. (laughs) And as a blue, Mm -hmm. my, because I, you know, I I go negative, you know, naturally, I'm like, they're not listening. Mm -hmm. They're not interested. They're just waiting for the time to go by. Mm -hmm. And then when I discovered this paradigm, Mm -hmm. 
I've learned there are two or three people that after the discussion goes for a few minutes, I need to call them by name and say, what do you think? And Mm -hmm. they've been thinking and they always have something to add. And as much as I want them to be a little more red Mm -hmm. or be a little bit more like me, Mm -hmm. that's that's ridiculous. Mm -mm. They're they're processing from their temperament. And once they're invited in, they do care and they have been paying attention. So, again, sitting down with somebody like that and saying, now, look, I need you to engage. That's a. That's insensitive. That's asking them to be somebody they're not. But inviting them in, that shows respect for that person. Well, if you do the first one, they're just going to dig their heels in and feel not respected. Right. But if you do invite them in, this is another level of coaching, though, that we have sometimes the other temperaments have a hard time getting our mind around is when you ask a green a question and they do not have an opinion, they will say, I have nothing, or I, you know, I'm yep. good. Yep. Yeah. Whereas if the yellow do, and red, they just start talking. They will just, and start. then you discover they <laughs> right. don't have a helpful opinion, <laughs> exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. And if the green does say something, they'll say it. But point being, let their no be no, and let their yes be yes. Now, what do you do organizationally? Because you just hit on something important. Mm-hmm. Green, you know, reds make quick decisions, yes. usually right. Greens, we have, you know, yep. greens, greens in our organization. Yeah. Fabulous, the greatest people. You know, if you need help, you need counseling, you need somebody to focus on an individual mm-hmm. that and walk them through something specific. But my goodness, getting them to decide. And it's again, it's not an intelligence problem. Mm-mm. It's not an IQ problem. Mm-mm. This is a temperament. What how do you motivate a green or help a green mm-hmm. make a decision? Then I want to tell you a funny story okay. about that. Well, the thing with a green in uh, any any arena, whether it's parenting, the first step I would say is go back to where they were successful before. Hmm. So I would say, Andy, remember when you put that together, that meeting, and we nailed it, you knocked it out of the park, that strategy really was beneficial for everybody. What do you think about applying that here? Now you've remembered, yeah, I was successful there. Let me, and then your brain is starting to strategize for the now, right? The other thing is giving them a time frame with an end date. Hey, I, I know that you have to put some thought into this. How about I circle back around tomorrow, Tuesday at 4 o'clock. I'll walk by your office, and I would love to hear your input. It's important to yep. me. Okay. So setting those parameters and expectations because they know. They know. Yeah, I mean, there's just a fear of I'm going to do it wrong or yeah. make the wrong I mean, thing. the first thought that I've heard in 30 years is they wait at the table thinking, I'm going to wait till somebody else says it. I know somebody else will say it. Yep. Okay. So you have the two introverts. You have you sit the blue sitting at the table and a green. The problem if the if the table's being overrun by yellows and reds, if you leave the room without saying your opinion as a blue, you're gonna find somebody outside and go, Hey, I was hoping I got to get to say this in the meeting. What do you think? If the green leaves the room without saying their opinion, You'll it's never gone. Know. That's right. it's, it goes with them, That's which exactly it could right. be detrimental yeah. to whatever you were planning. Right. Because they could have had the key for success. Yep. Right. And nobody asked. I feel like sometimes greens, especially in organizational life, are considered passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And they're not. This is, again, it's a temperament thing. But I know as a blue, if I were acting that way, mm-hmm. it would be because of unhealth, mm-hmm. not because of wiring. Yes. So again, understanding yeah. just these simple things. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's not it's not super complicated. In fact, yeah. the, the test that you mm-hmm. include in your literature is so helpful. One quick um, sure. illustration. <laughs> 
One of the things I heard you teach, too, is that because greens are so slow to make decisions sometimes Mm -hmm. and reds are so quick, and because reds are extroverted, greens are introverted, Mm -hmm. that reds have a tendency to bully greens because reds even with a little bit of unhealth can become a little bit of a bully anyway and if they have position and power in the organization yeah um so i was uh our our small group with several family couples were together going through this material talking about marriage because it applies everywhere and um so this comment came out in the workbook we were using that sometimes you know do you know this story I don't, I don't but I can't so sometimes so there's five couples five couples yeah. we all know our colors we're talking yeah. about how this works in marriage and so we get to this part where it says sometimes reds bully greens so I'm sitting next to Sandra on my left and on my right is a dear friend of ours named Carla who's okay. green okay. so Sandra kiddingly says Carla do I ever bully you ha 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 like there's no way and Carla pauses <gasps> The whole room gets quiet, <laughs> and she says, well, so, <laughs> I'm not making this up. We might have to edit it out. She says, well, Sandra, sometimes, <laughs> and the, the whole room gets quiet, and it was not awkward. We all started laughing, but unbeknownst to Sandra, yeah. in trying to help Carla mm-hmm. make decisions, mm-hmm. Carla felt pushed. Yeah. And again, they're friends. This, yeah. We don't even—they're not even in organization together. This nope. is just, you know, friendship stuff. But it was so funny. Isn't that crazy? She's like, Sandra's like, "There's no way." And Carla's like, "Well, well actually." So, <laughs> so the point of this, yeah. when we think about relational health mm-hmm. in an organization, mm-hmm. those dynamics can be going on, and we're completely unaware. It's yes. unintentional. Yes. But it sets so it sets up unnecessary obstacles between people relationally mm-hmm. that just grinds progress to a halt. So I agree. having the, again, that's why having this language and again, not stereotyping everybody, mm-hmm. but understanding mm-hmm. wiring is so helpful in yeah. interpreting how they say what they say, yes. how often they say it, how loud they say it, yeah. um, how soon they say it. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. And I, I want to respond to your story because it unlocks, like I said, we could sit here for hours. One of the key communication skills I think we all have to learn is listening to understand. Yep. Everybody listens to reply. But in order to hear a language from a different temperament, you have to listen to understand. That's the first thing. The second thing is realizing that most miscommunication is not intentional. It the pro- two it's probably ten- never intentional. It's never Why would inten- anyone do no. that, right? Well, you know, there's a small group of people who can be intentional, but it's very small. In 30 years, I could probably name on one hand the mm. people who have come through my office that I feel have been intentional. This is just like I heard this, you heard that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I said this, you heard that. Um, so even when you're talking about that with Sandra, I I think what I loved most about your story is that you said everybody laughed. See, yeah. in my journey with this, it is impacting marriages, families, businesses, coaches, teachers, but it brings of just a sense of grace. And laughter, like instead of pointing and starting to fight, there's this ability to laugh through it and people want to learn, yep. you know? So I love that you said that. That well, was probably the best I part can, of the story. I can tell more stories. This, yeah. as oh. much as anything, yeah. um, again, has 
helped us understand relationships. Real quick, I want to yeah, take a sure. sponsorship break and tell you a little bit about um, Belay. As I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, our sponsor Belay is offering a free download of their CEO's latest book, Rise Up and Lead Well. And as I said, in it, she shares everything she's learned in her journey from being the admin assistant to CEO of the company. We don't want you to miss this opportunity, so just text the word Andy to 55123. That's A-N-D-Y to 55123. So, Kathleen, as we wrap up, would you mm-hmm. give us, I guess, some highlights um, for what it looks like to work with each of the temperament? Just a few tips. Sure, absolutely, because it's one thing to lead, but when you're leading, you want to also take into consideration the temperament of those you're leading, exactly. right? Yep. So, for the yellows, what you want to do is be positive, make eye contact, promote their creativity, and allow them verbal expression. Try to stay away from being too serious, demanding perfection, consuming their time, or starting any conversation with a negative. Wow. Um, I violated this mm. about six months ago with okay. the yellow. Okay. Because I didn't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm a blue, so I want to be efficient. Mm-hmm. So this person walks in, and I had it was kind of going to be a little bit of a negative conversation to help mm-hmm. this person do better next time. Uh huh. And. This person walks in, sits down, and I just start. And I had two or three things to talk about. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to get the negative one out of the way. Mm. I could tell this person will not recover. No. It doesn't, I, there's no point in going to, to points two and three mm-hmm. or agenda items two and three. Yep. I crushed this person. Now, I was right mm-hmm. and it was appropriate, but my approach yep. was absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not that we don't have negative conversations. That's right. It's how we approach it. Whereas if I had taken that same tack yep. with a, a red mm-hmm. or a blue, mm-hmm. it would have been different Much because different. I'm a, you know, my assistant tells people Andy's bottom line, bottom line, don't mm-hmm. just just get to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's blue, but yeah. I think everyone should be that way. Yeah. And yeah. I'm absolutely wrong. So again, when it comes to um, evaluation, mm-hmm. Approaching evaluations, especially because they're always a little bit negative, right. knowing a temperament makes all the difference in their ability to digest it and do something with it. Otherwise, you can either just crush mm-hmm. them or with a red, you can be so soft they don't hear you because yeah. they're or just respect you. they're so confident mm-hmm. or respect mm-hmm. you. Exactly. Because with reds, if you're not as good as they are at what they do, it's hard for them to take you seriously. Exactly. It got real and quiet in the studio yes, when it I did. said that. Yes, yeah. it did. Because with the yellow, how I even like this with the most powerful people I've talked to in business. I've said these simple words, and it sticks. When you start a conversation with a negative, with a yellow, you are dulling their sparkle. Mm. And I don't care. This can be the strongest guy. It doesn't matter. They're wired that way, and it is going to—you can see in their eyes. It just—which is exactly what you saw with this person. For the Reds, what we want to do is we want to speak logically, be direct, promote their intelligence, and include them in the decision-making— Definitely stay away from lecturing them, being too emotional, too authoritative, and especially, Andy, this is across the board. Yep. We never embarrass a red in front of their peers, yep. not in front of their workmates, not in front of the kids at school. That is the worst thing you can do to a red. That was another huge takeaway when I sat through the seminar was thinking about what I say 
you know, when there's a group, mm-hmm. you know, four or five, even in a meeting and everybody yeah. knows each other and the conversation starts quickly if, mm-hmm. if we're not careful, yeah. um, that the humiliation factor cuts deep. And of course, I think, oh, I'm helping you. Mm-hmm. I'm making us better. Yeah. But again, the way it gets processed, it's, it's very different. In everything we're talking, we do not want to miss the point that every one of these, and I hope we can talk again sometime just about the innate needs because it's all connected to that, right? For the blues, give them the details. Help them feel secure. Be sincere and promote their creativity. Like what, blues, what does that mean? Blues are very creative thinkers. This is like the engineers of the world. We are artistic and musical and um, creative at the same time logical and analytical. So when you put those things, two things together, if there's a problem, a blue is going to be strategic in the way that they think to get it solved. Mm. And they're not about to give up. Like the, a blue will not start anything if they think they're going to fail. So they will definitely, you give them enough detail, make sure they got all the detail, they're going to find a way to get a solution. Definitely. So what are the things um, folks should not do as it relates to blue? And I'm really hoping that my staff (laughs) in the studio are listening. Are they listening? What should you not do? Do not expect spontaneity. Like, don't change things at the last minute. Yes, do not change things at the very last minute or show up for a surprise party for you. No, No, that wouldn't be good. Don't break their trust. Do not make them feel guilty and do not interrupt them. Wow. That's the worst thing you can do for a blue because we feel we have to start back at the beginning, right? I don't even know how to put emotions around (laughs) this. This this When you said this. I cannot switch gears quickly, Mm-mm. and I and there are times. I mean, I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm supposed to, you know, love everybody all the mm-hmm. same and all this, and be able to just switch. And pulling myself out of one hole mm-hmm. to go get in the foxhole with somebody else, it, it is not a strength. So difficult, and, no. and I, I, gen, I genuinely, I, I feel guilty. Like, yeah. you just, you know, get over yeah. it. But it's temperament. No, it's temperament because blues when they start something, they have to finish it. Yep. That's just how we're wired. Yep. You would be at a dinner with Sandra the whole night thinking about what you didn't finish. You are exactly and right. And that's why you heard Andrew probably saying, just let me finish this one more thing before we leave. Let me finish this one more thing. That's just how it works. Yep. And for the green employees, we want to be kind in our criticism. We want to listen quietly. We want to promote involvement and accept their individuality. Hmm. What we do not want to do is mistake their quiet for apathy, not have clear timelines, demand conformity, or make a lot of changes. Hmm. That will just send them into a tailspin. Wow. So a lot of folks listening or who are part of our podcast are at some level um, responsible for hiring or, you know, they're somewhere in the process of helping their organizations hire. Are there certain temperaments that are better suited for certain jobs. In fact, I'm, I don't even have to ask that yeah. question. I know that there are. Yeah. Um, is there a way to use this um, with hiring and placement? Have you ever seen anyone, oh, company it, do that? Everybody does it. It's in, it, well, I, I wish they would use more of the temperaments, but there's all kinds of these assessments that they're using in the jobs. I wish they would use temperament more because it's so foundationally strong. But most effective teams are a blend of all temperaments. Because truly, this isn't putting people in a box. 
they every temperament can be a good leader, can be thoughtful, can be kind, can get things done, but they're going to do it from the core of their temperament. So understanding the temperament can be extremely helpful in placing people in the right roles. And when considering if somebody's going to be a good fit for something, we have to pause and consider that wiring. Hmm. If you're trying to put a blue at a front desk for customer service, hmm. probably kill me. not Just a good. Kill me. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. no one. You will and want I our should not be door no. door We shouldn't greeters. be at the front of anything. Yeah, we shouldn't be door greeters. But I'm can't you? You that. can fake it at times, right? Oh yeah, you can you fake it. To. But what would happen if you faked it? One whole morning greeting people at the door. I'd be exhausted. Exactly. Right. You and me both. We yeah. would be have to go home and take a nap. Um, our yellow communicators mm-hmm. hate to study mm-hmm. because they have to study in isolation. Yep. That's their struggle. And they're yep. not against it and they want to be prepared and they are prepared. Mm-hmm. Their struggle is pulling out of the fray of the office activity. Yep. So they either do it early in the morning when they're when no one's around anyway, <laughs> yep. or they stay up late at night. Yeah. But if there if there are people around and there's activity, it's mm-hmm. very difficult for them to disconnect relationally and and you know, do the work you have to do oh, in private. Yeah, it, it, I think if we would just, as employers, just take the time to think about that wiring and the innate needs, um, all the temperaments, like I said, can be good at everything. I don't want anybody ever using their temperament as a weapon or an excuse or an excuse. So understand the temperaments are going to make all the difference. Wow. Well, that's all the time we have for today, even though I have several more stories (laughs) that I'll share with you offline. Okay. Um, So to all our podcast listeners, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. And I really encourage you to check out Kathleen's books and the temperament test that you can take to find out what yours is. And I would encourage you to take it home, show it to your kids, certainly figure out a way to apply this or begin applying this or implementing this at the office. And you can find all of Kathleen's resources at I said you heard dot study. I said you heard dot study. And as always, make sure you visit andystanley.com where you can download the leadership podcast application guide that includes a summary of this discussion along with questions for reflection or a group discussion. And be sure to tune in next month to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. We will see you then. <laughs>